Welcome to Food and Loathing, where what gets eaten in Las Vegas gets shared with the world and maybe inspires you or saves you some time. And let's face it, where the lunatic is now running the asylum. <laughs> I am that lunatic, your never humble host, Al Mancini, and yes, I am in charge here this week because Rich Johnson is taking some well-deserved R&R. He will still be making sure everything sounds good on the back end, or at least as good as it can be based on whatever mess I send him, and he's a bit of a genius that way, so he I'm is. sure yeah, he'll get it taken he care of. He can handle it. He could do it, right? <laughs> uh, in the meantime, keeping me on track and in line as best she can in person this week is offthestrip.com's Samantha Gemini Stevens, who apparently hasn't gotten bored with our little foodie freak show quite yet <laughs> and has agreed to co-host once again this week. Gemini, my friend, a glutton for punishment or what's going on? You know, it wouldn't be the first time I've been called a masochist, so <laughs> I think that's appropriate. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, I know you have a big interview to share with us this week. Uh, it's going to be the first we're hearing from the new Main Street Provision chef, Patrick Munster. And I have also an extended interview of my own that I'll be sharing in the center of this show. But first, you know how it goes, my friend. This is the part of the show where we discuss what and where we've been eating. And since my mother always taught me that guests come first, let's start with you. Although we are both guests, I should say, today of the, one of our favorite restaurants, Sparrow and Wolf. Let us so do a little excited recording. to be in this room right now. <laughs> yeah, Watching wolf everybody call get in the ready background. for work. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, what have you been eating, my friend? Oh, well, so I traveled this weekend and visited uh, a well-known chef from, well, at least that's where I met him, Las <laughs> Vegas, uh, and that would be John Courtney. Uh, he is now in Park City, Utah. Uh, some people may remember him from the Cosmopolitan here in Las Vegas, Simon Hospitality Group, or Marche Bacus. Uh, we went and checked out Okay, his... wait, wait. I, I'm just jumping in here. You Please. know where I met John Courtney? And I love John Courtney. John Courtney is John one Courtney? of my oldest friends in the chef world. He was working at Born and Raised. Oh, my goodness. And he yes. actually designed their menu for them. He designed all those crazy sliders that yeah. they had over there for a while. So that's where I met John. That's great. And then I remember he came down to one of my um, one of my shows one time. I was doing a, a web TV series. Yeah. And he was one of the guests. And Rick, Rick Moonen was the on-air guest. And John was just there with me. I introduced those guys. And then a I couple weeks it. later, he was working for Rick because he's a fantastic chef. I love and it. And so, yeah, man, I go way back with John. So I'm glad you got to get up there to Park city and see yeah, him how's he doing I mean, he's doing really well um you know he has those uh the the mutton chops that he <laughs> you can't get rid of of course and his place is called the chop shop the right? chop shop at park city utah and so we went in and my girlfriend melissa and i had lunch there uh we saw some great pizzas come out we had three different sandwiches uh his wife and partner Paige was running the show at the chop shop uh, we didn't take anything out of the shop with us uh, that afternoon, but what we did do is we walked all of 60 steps across the street and went to their fish market mm. and picked up a bunch of fresh fish, which we ended up cooking. Um, and so we got to see John in the fish market as well. It's this really cool sort of shopping, dining area where they have all these shops. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, parts of downtown where you can just park your car and go to all kinds of different shops at one, t at one time. Um, the the selection was really great. It's small, but it's quality. So we picked up a Branzino. We picked up some scallops. We picked up, uh, he gave us some sago to go with some sushi-grade tuna that we turned into poke. Uh, I mean, you really can't go wrong when you're hanging out with John. Yeah. Um, so he was really, he's a really great font of information and just excited about what he does. And that absolutely comes across when you're in his shops. Um before we left for the weekend, uh, we got some stuff from Patisserie Menon on near Charleston and Fort Apache. And uh, so they have this simple ham and cheese crepe that is delicious. A little too much crepe, if you ask me, <laughs> for the filling they give you. But nonetheless, worth, worth all the flavors, worth the time over there. Uh, they've got a great Parisienne sandwich with brie and homemade baguette. Also good. Again, maybe a little more filling for the outside but still really tasty. Um, also did some cooking, like I mentioned, the Branzino, and so turned that into a dish with the scallops. We found some eggplant, made a fish sauce caramel. Can't go wrong. Um, and then today I knew it was going to be a very busy day, so I did use the delivery service, I admit it, uh, but woke up this morning to <laughs> uh -oh. hot. I know, I know where that gets me. 
Uh, I woke up to some hot uh, sandwiches from Vesta Coffee in Summerlin because I hadn't had some food from them yet. And so we had some beautiful breakfast sandwiches from them. Uh, one of them is Benedict in a sandwich form. It's a little messy, but it's really tasty. There was a croissant that had some everything bagel on the top, everything bagel seasoning on the top. Um, so you really can't, can't go wrong. And I was smart this week. My coffee was decaf. Ah. And how are you standing <laughs> up right now? Are you sleepy? <laughs> I'm very sleepy. I pounded three rock stars. It's right? Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll do maybe a little more caffeine when I get home. Uh, I did have my cup of tea this morning. so But I also picked up some wine from Kelly Som today. So I'm looking forward to going home and chilling a bottle of that and seeing how the afternoon goes. Cool. Well, it sounds like you had a great week and yeah. being out of town. I'm glad you got to check in with um, John and Paige because, yeah, I'm, I hope they're listening. We miss you guys. Uh, Absolutely. I hope we see you soon. Um, I, you know, I, I've spent a lot of the last week actually researching some cocktails for a video I'm doing with my friends over at the LVCVA. Uh, so keep your eyes on the va- the at Vegas TikTok account for that one. It's a project that took me to um, Bar Centro at Bizarre Meat, Gatsby's in the Cosmopolitan, the Mayfair Supper Club, and to visit my longtime friend Marina Mercer Barini at Win Las Vegas's Overlook Lounge. As I said, the goddess I, of cocktails. She is. She is quite oh my the cocktail gosh. goddess. Oh. Uh, as I said, I was there for the cocktails, but sometimes you have to have a few bites, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, what the fuck? You, you, know, you, you can't do it on an empty stomach. Man does not live by <laughs> just staring at cocktails alone. Um, obviously, obviously, I mean, you know where, where I'm going here. I could not go to Bizarre Meat without having what? Foie gras, cotton candy. Foie gras, cotton <laughs> candy, baby. First thing on the list every yes. time I walk in the door. So it was as awesome as one would come to expect. And I guess I don't have to say much more about it. I will say that if you have not had the foie gras, cotton candy at Bizarre oh. Meat, like seriously, just stop what you're, you're doing now. You're missing out. Keep us in the car, but drive over there right now Absolutely. and go get one. Right you now. know, people worry about foie gras. They think it's a texture thing or it might be too heavy. But if you just think about the term foie gras, cotton candy. It is this light, airy, flavorful bite that you will never have anywhere else, and you just cannot miss it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, then I was at Mayfair Supper Club, and I got to say, almost almost rivaling that foie gras cotton candy. Have you had their Wagyu and caviar hand roll? I have to admit, I have yet to go to the Mayfair. Oh, man. Well, you got to go and make it's sure. on my list. I mean, this is like a 30 five-ish dollar one tiny little bite hand roll. I mean, right. it's a couple bites, to be honest. But, um, man, well worth it. One of the most luxurious items you're ever going to get. I think I saw a photo, and I probably was drooling. Yeah, beautiful Wagyu beef, some great caviar on top, a little gold leaf just so you could be a fancy pants, you know, <laughs> um, so you could be pooping gold like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> I'm all in favor of that all the time. Waste, waste, waste. I love it. It was decadent and tasted as good as – I mean, seriously – you know, Mayfair is not an inexpensive place, but I do like the fact that you can go to places and sit at the bar and get one little decadent taste of luxury and then go buy a pizza on the way. My home favorite thing, it, you know? go somewhere, have a drink, have a bite, maybe pick another or a third or a fourth, but you don't always have to sit in one place. And I love places like the Mayfair that have that option. Yeah. Uh, I also paid a visit to Marche Bacchus. They have a new chef running the kitchen. Local foodies may remember Chef Alvaro. Alvaro. Sorry, Chef Alvaro Morales from the popular Latin restaurant Trey Cazuelas, which is located uh, directly next door to the Sand Dollar Lounge, um, the, the original Sand Dollar Lounge. Before that, he worked at some Michelin-starred restaurants in Spain, where he trained in both French and Spanish cuisine. Um, you know, we had some really fantastic and gorgeous dishes. I encourage you to go check out the Facebook pages, mine and Neon uh, Sorry, the Food and Loathing Facebook page, the Almancini Facebook page for the pictures. Full disclosure, they knew we were shooting there for possible use in some Neon Feast ads, so they pulled out all the stops on the presentation, <laughs> man. So the dishes you see on my Facebook page are intended for three people. They're massive presentations. They, the presentations, you know, they could have, these plates, they could have put enough for 20 people oh on Oh, my them, goodness, right? so, yeah. Um, you know, they were great for the video, a little tough to fit on the table. When you dine there, you're going to get all of those elements, just, just as pretty, but in a more manageable size. But, you know, if you do check them out, um, you know, take that into account. But anyway, we had some amazing octopus, wonderful Iberico pig croquetas, um, the kind of a kind of build your own lox dish with house cured salmon that they do for a few days in house, some foie gras, um, then this most succulent chicken dish I've had in a really long time. It was absolutely beautiful. We wrapped it up with one of the lightest souffles I've had in years. Um, 
when the eating and the shooting were wrapped up, though, we um, we sipped some amazing spirits. And this is something I wanted to talk about just a bit, because I know most people know Marche Bacchus as a wine shop. And it has both a great selection and also one of the best pricing policies in, that you're going to find in Las Vegas anywhere. You buy it retail. I think it's a $20 corkage fee to drink in house. It may something, only be it's 10, really reasonable. You know? Yeah, I mean, something very reasonable, 10 or 20 extra bucks on the retail. So people go there to drink great wine at a great price. And I would not tell you not to do it. But I don't think a lot of people look at their spirits menu, and it's pretty massive and well-curated. So before I left, I spoke with owner Jeff. Well, actually, this was before our meal. I spoke with Jeff Wyatt about it because that's when I was getting tempted to maybe hit some spirits. <laughs> so here's that conversation. So, Jeff, man, okay, we got to talk about the bar here because everybody knows Marche Bacchus for its stellar wine collection. But I'm looking behind that bar. you got a lot going on, man. Uh, we're crazy when it comes to that, so... Uh, you know, it's funny. We just we're just changing the the, the actual presentation of the uh, of the list itself, and I counted the vodkas first. It was seventy nine of them, and so and, and, and from every major producing region in the world, we have several of them. Wait, 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 hold on. I got to ask you this because I was just having this conversation on on the podcast a few weeks ago. I don't understand. I was always trained that vodka at its best has no taste whatsoever. So why do you need seven? And I was taught that by people at vodka companies. You know, the, the funny part of that is just the water differences in every growing region in the world has a huge impact on the actual flavors of vodkas. Uh, and then the, the distillation process. Uh, of course, some of these are flavored. You know, we've got uh, from a really good friend in uh, Colorado. He's doing black truffle infused incredible vodkas. Uh, and also from another friend in France, he's doing some black truffle infused as well. And so when you think about it, um, if you if you look at all of these, like I said, all these growing regions in terms of producing regions, I should say, in terms of just water differentiation, it's it's massive in terms of flavors. It's massive. So. Okay, well, I'm still not impressed with vodka. Let's talk about things that I would drink. Sorry, man. Yeah. Um, okay, lately I've been getting into not necessarily tequila, but specifically extra Añejo tequilas. I've been loving lately. Yeah, we, we've got about 80, 85 extra Añejo tequilas. Wait, 80, 85 extra Añejos. It's, it's insanity because I drink this too. And I'm like you. <laughs> wow. And so, uh, and then uh, Añejo-wise, we have about 50. Uh, Reposado, about 50. Uh, and then, of course, the, the silver, much less. But uh, just we, we, we started to, to favor these extra nejos. Uh, I travel to, to Cabo a lot, and, uh, and down there they, they know me for drinking <laughs> those kinds of things. And so to experience them, uh, I, I'll tell you a quick, quick little story to, to give you an idea. So we're at Las Ventanas. Las Ventanas is one of the best tequila bars in the world. It's a very ultra-exclusive resort. There's only 70 rooms there. And... Uh, the, so the tequila master looks at me and says, Sir, which one of these uh, have you had? I said, It might be easier for you to ask me which ones have I not had. So, wow. so that's, it's, it's kind of, I'm like you. It's, we're, it's kind of my thing too. So. Okay, so you know, I wasn't planning to drink much tonight, but I may well, have you, to get, well, I right, may have to sip a little extra nail you. with you. you. Uh, okay, and let me also ask you American whiskeys. I've been yeah. very into American whiskeys lately. What you got going on? Are you, uh, are you more bourbon style? Or are you more Kentucky bourbon, Tennessee style? Or just a straight whiskey style? No, I mean, either bourbons or rice. Yeah. We, uh, we have, I'm just doing that list right now. I have about 95 bourbons. Uh, rise about I'm drinking whistle pig 15 right here uh, we have a, a 25 rise uh, the other whiskey is about another 75 or so uh, from from the usual suspects actually and then I guess I need to know because you're a French restaurant and you have a lot of um, very wealthy clients in here so and I'm, I'm going to embarrass myself if you don't have any, but um, Armagnacs and Cognacs? Uh, more than anybody else in the town, that's easily. Really? <laughs> yeah, especially Armagnacs, too. Uh, Boss Armagnacs, ultra-aged uh, Boss Armagnacs. Uh, Cognacs, everything from what most people would ex expect, Louis Thirteenth, all the way down to the really interesting things that uh, very small producers that you just don't see around. So Okay, man. Well, we're definitely going to have to sip something before well, I leave. That's, that's happening tonight. Yeah, okay. something I like about Marche Bacchus is you walk in and it is a store. And the first time I went in, I didn't realize it was a restaurant. Uh, we were going for meeting, I think, Rhonda and Jeff, her friends who were going to get married there. Uh, and then we're ushered into the back and had just a wonderful time. But now you're telling me there's a spirits menu. 
Oh, unbelievable. I mean, I don't know who needs 70 vodkas because I'm not a vodka person. We've had this discussion <laughs> before, but yeah. Oh, man. And some of these extra añejos that I had were just oh, beautiful. Just oh. so beautiful. Ridiculously pricey if you were to get them anywhere. But, you know, the prices are better at Marche Bacchus than you're going to get at most places. Uh, I also paid a return visit to Rosa Ristorante. The food was great. I did some um, calamari. I did the, There's a lot of dishes I've spoken about before. The risotto fritters are great. The crudo um, with olive, this kind of olive tepanade on the crudo. Uh, the Caesar salad that you do with this tongs. It's very much oh, like yeah. an old Italian family in New Jersey salad you know, that comes <laughs> along. Um, we did great. The pizza, I had a mushroom pizza way better than the one I'd had last time that I was there. And I liked the last one. Meatball was cool. They did this, the salted cod, um, an amazing steak, which, of course, you'd expect from Rob Moore, the chef there. But honestly, the company was even better. We were in a group that also included Max Jacobson. I admit that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, Max. How's he doing? He's doing well. And, you know, I haven't had a meal with him in a few years. But, you know, for those who may, who are new to this scene, Max was the Mac Daddy of food writers in this town for a long time. He and I did a book, a couple books together with John Curtis. Um, and Max left the industry when he was hit in a pretty tragic car accident. He was in a coma for a very long time. They had to remove a part of his skull to release the... I mean, we're talking like eight years now, isn't it? Like, it's been a long I time. Think it's been longer than that. I oh, think, my yeah. gosh. And, um, you know, the, the entire industry rallied around him. It was one of the great moments of seeing Las Vegas at its best before I saw October 1st and before, you know, all the other times that this town has come together yeah. and the pandemic. I saw the way that this community came together for Max, and it was beautiful. And it was probably the time... That that my wife was convinced that we would live here for the rest of our lives, probably because she saw how this community takes care of each other. And so, you know, there was a time when we never knew if he would ever open his eyes again. We yeah. never knew if he would ever speak again. Um, and being able to go out to a meal with him, it was just... I've got the chills just thinking about yeah, it. It was beautiful. And I hope that a lot of his friends are listening and they know that he's doing well and he sends his best to everybody. Oh, uh, wow. So two last meals to talk about very quickly. Sue and I grabbed a weekend lunch at Chinglish. I love Chinglish. Oh, you should go to Chinglish. You know I love that place. Yeah. So that's about all I'm going to say about them. Um, <laughs> and Piero's has rolled out a new menu. I dropped by that. Actually, it's not really a new menu, I should say. Uh, Piero's just had everybody in as part of their 40th anniversary. Yep. And they started just bringing out food. And then I did talk to Evan about some new menu items that they're going to be rolling out over the next few Fun. months and stuff. Because it's getting back to winter. Yeah. And, you know, they, they're putting some heartier stuff. You know what? Fuck it. Well, don't listen to me. Let's listen to what Evan has to say about it. The number one thing that people have been requesting is our French onion soup. So our original chef, Chef Jobert Fitez, of course, classically French trained, came up with the recipe, you know, 40 years ago. It's still the same to this day. Um, it's phenomenal. So I can't wait for that to come back. A lot of seasonal soups that we'll do. We'll do a butternut squash. Um, as far as desserts... You know, we always do flavored creme brulees around the holidays, which are really fun. We make those from scratch. Um, and, you know, we're going to get back to some of the hearty pastas. Um, you know, it's always nice when winter comes around because appetites get more full. You get to do a lot of heavier dishes. So, you know, we'll roll out the bolognese. We'll roll out some ragouts. Um, of course, we have the Sunday gravy now, but we'll probably end up doing a lot more ragu. Um, and then um, with convention season coming... You know, we like to play with some uh, some tomahawk steaks and some chops and stuff like that. Um, you know, we are Italian, but we're known for our steaks. Um, I'll put our steaks up against anybody in town. Um, so with convention season coming, big groups, we do like to do, you know, tomahawks, you know, Casey's. Coming up in the news, a huge restaurant reopening, a Halloween-themed pop-up, cocktails for charity, new bars, and the Raiders are playing at home this weekend. There's a lot going on. But first, we do have my interview with the new Main Street Provision chef, Patrick Munster, as well as Al's conversation with chef Matt Meyer about his new Henderson Chop House. This is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you. 
So you may recall that it was Gemini who broke the news on Chef Patrick Munster exiting one stake to take the reins at Main Street Provisions in a story that ran at offthestrip.com. And if you're not already reading offthestrip.com, you all need to. There's a lot of great writers over there writing great food stories. My favorite, of course, right now, since I'm sitting with her, is Gemini. Oh, but, I you know, I got to say, if um, you know, Bob Barnes of... were sitting here, I'd have to I, say Absolutely. I mean, Bob has has the beer scene tightened up. Um, there's a lot of really great people with a lot of great perspectives over there. So, yes, I encourage you to read all of my stuff, but absolutely please read um, the people that I work with. So, with that said, since Gemini broke the story, I figured why should I interview Patrick when she could do it for this podcast? All right. You've heard us chat about the changes at Main Street Provisions on last week's episode, and I did an introductory piece published on offthestrip.com about 10 days ago. Now we have the new kitchen chief himself, Patrick Munster, formerly of One Steakhouse at the Virgin Hotel Las Vegas, and already making a name for himself here on Main Street in downtown Las Vegas. Chef Patrick, welcome to Food and Loathing. It's awesome to be here. Um, I've wanted, I was waiting for the call to be on this. And uh, so now's the time. And uh, hopefully we can uh, clear the air and get uh, get going. And, you know, everyone can come down here and have some good, have some good food. That sounds great. So first, thank you for sitting with me. Um, for those, obviously, we're on air, not you can't see us. We are sitting inside the restaurant at the bar, one of my favorite seats. Um, I know you've been nothing but busy the past week and then some. Uh, I did see some social media posts over the weekend, uh, and they all looked and sounded delicious. Tell me a little bit about your first week and what was literally and figuratively the hot seat. <laughs> the first week was intense. It really was. Um, and I'm kind of the type of chef that likes to have everything planned out, okay. so there's no surprises. Um, and you know, there was a few surprises, a few curveballs. Um, I didn't get to go as fast as I wanted to. Obviously, like I wanted to come in here and change the the menu um, 15 minutes after I stepped in the door, but that was wasn't feasible. Um, so Kim had to talk me out of the trees and, uh, Kim said this thing that I'm going to carry for the rest of my life. She said, chef, do you know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. (laughs) One of my favorite sayings. So I had to relax and, um, you know, come up with rather than a week or two week game plan, um, more like a month game plan. Okay. Um, to get this menu to where me and Kim and Chef Adrian want it. That's great. Yeah. So it's pretty well established in Las Vegas that some neighborhoods, the Strip, for example, uh, and I refer to the Vir- Virgin as you know, sort of Strip adjacent. It's close enough. Yeah. Um, are built more for visitors and tourists, while others are more locally focused and uh, on their res- local residents and established community populations. Um, I mean, hell, like I said, even our casinos separate themselves we're the locals casino or we're you know the best tourists get the best rate on the strip whatever it is um before we get to the food tell me a little bit about the vibe and location so you're going from again that strip adjacent restaurant in a popular hotel to a vibrant community-oriented arts district that's a hell of a change it is so what drew you to main street provisions in its neighborhood well i mean you look around here the place is awesome and there's an energy and a vibe around here that's you know, it's captivating um, but to go back to the Virgin the great thing about the Virgin is there was still a few like hangers on of the local crew that wanted that wanted the hard rock still there but you know still frequented the Virgin Sure. so we had a good mix of local and touristy uh, people, which hopefully I can get that local crowd down here. I mean, obviously, like the local drive down here is is pretty strong. But I remember coming down here when I first uh, met the staff the other night. It was ten thirty, I think, on a Friday night, ten thirty, eleven o'clock, and I pulled on the main street and Abel Baker had a line out the door, all their windows open. Uh, Cerveza had a line out the door. There was like a DJ on the corner. There was like a market. There's people dancing. And I was like, wow, this is going to be a really 
kick-ass place to work. Yeah. And so, um, and obviously, you know, Kim sells it, sells it to me, and Kim, you know, walks around the neighborhood, and everybody knows her, so I've already met about 30 people, 40 people, and I'm sure there's going to be about 100 more in the neighborhood. But everyone's, so far, has been really, really incredibly friendly and accommodating and excited about the the path that we're going to go down with the new Main Street provisions. How does it feel walking more downtown versus walking through a casino when oh. you're doing stuff like that? <laughs> I don't think after after 18 years of in a casino, I don't think the uh, the block and a half that I walk to the restaurant now that that feeling is it, you can't describe it. Rather than hearing the machines going off and you get that puff of uh, Marlboro like lights in your face <laughs> and uh, yeah, you hear the 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 cocktail servers calling out for cocktails to everybody um it it seemed like such commonplace and now that i don't have that and i have this breath of fresh air that i get to walk literally yeah yeah, exactly and you know i'm i've already made friends with some of the artists around here and um you know just saying hello to everybody and it's 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 great it's it's a it's an awesome feeling i'm excited that's awesome um, so you mentioned Kim. We've talked about Kim on this program before, Kim Owens. Um, you guys have known each other a really long time. You both have long histories in the steakhouse world. Um, she told me in a recent interview when I was talking to her and Chef Justin, who we know has stepped away for health reasons, um, we sat in that back booth over there and mentioned that you were the first person she told when she hired Justin. So you have a long-time relationship. Yeah. Um, before you got to this point, had you guys ever discussed a project before? Did you know when you were going to start now that you were going to go more steakhouse immediately? Um, I know that she really holds on to her new American. How does all that come together for you guys? Well, when I was at SW at the Wynn, uh, that's how I met Kim because one of my best servers was her husband, Alan. And you'll see him poking around the restaurant here right, oh, yeah. on the weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great guy. <laughs> uh, but that's how I met Kim. And me and Kim became fast friends after that. And, uh, you know, I'd have barbecues over the weekend. And I'd always invite Kim and Alan over. And me and Kim, being the restaurant people that we are, we'd always just talk shop open a bottle of wine and talk shop. So we had this this game plan uh, for an awesome restaurant from day one. But it was never really, like, serious. Like, oh, we're going to do it. Because I was at the Wynn, she was at Del Frisco's, and we were set. Like, our careers were set. We were good. We were happy. But our ideal, like, restaurant was still in our brain. And we would kick it around every once in a while when we uh, when we would get together. So, uh, yeah, we've been talking about it for many, many, many years, but it never really, like, happened until I got that phone call from her. And she's like, hey, I'm looking for a chef, and you're the only one I want to work with. (laughs) And I said, sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Okay, cool. So talking about all of that, and, uh, you know, you mentioned just a little bit earlier in this particular interview that, you know, you want to change things. I know that there is a new menu coming out. Is it this week? Is it next week? We're, like I said before, we're doing it a little bit slowly, kind of like in three phases. Uh, This first phase is actually going to start today. We're doing uh, a happy hour menu. For the bar, which is going to have some really classic dishes like oysters, uh, shrimp cocktail, steak sliders, or like today we're doing lamb and cheese, hot lamb and cheese, little slider. I might be coming back for yeah, happy hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're doing a, a few things. I have some steaks coming in today. We have fillets, New York's, ribeyes coming in. Uh, chicken dish is changing up a little bit. But, like I said, we're going to take it slow, and I, I'm i a perfectionist, so I want to make this spot, you know, perfect for everybody that comes in here. Like, 
according to the way that my recipes work and, you know, the 25 years of me cooking. Sure. I have this little, like, pocketbook of rock star, like, greatest hits dishes that I know are going to work. So some of those I'm going to, like, put in the first few phases of the menu. So I know that you had a special going on this weekend. It was a 28-ounce cowboy ribeye. Not a yeah, porterhouse, it was, right? It was a double Mushroom bordelaise, some yeah. roasted broccolini, and you sold out. Sold out. That has to be a nice feeling, a good testament to walking in the door for your first yeah. week. Yeah, and Alan was here, and Alan was, like, getting ready to leave, and he's like, see what happens? You know, like, this is what the future's going to look like. And I was hesitant. I was like, I don't know if the arts district is going to pay $87 for a ribeye. And they did. And we sold out. And I had some awesome mushrooms that a friend of mine, Michael, from Michael's Gourmet Pantry, brought by. So I made a cool Bordelais sauce with that and kept it simple. You know, it's awesome when you get this steak sliced in front of you and you can share and talk and have a glass of wine and that's kind of what we're like we're going for here to have people come in here have fun share a bunch of food and leave with a smile on your face absolutely yeah that, that should be the, the goal of any restaurant exactly yeah it seems it seems pretty simple so we're actually going to come back <laughs> to that question because ha- I've got that uh, sort of as a follow up in, in a few minutes um, so walking into a new kitchen we're talking about you know smaller mm-hmm. changes to the menu at least at first yep. we've talked about um, really really good success with this steak over the weekend um, what do you consider your biggest strength in taking over what is considered an established kitchen it is an award winning kitchen um, and what would you say is your biggest challenge um, I'll go with the latter first. Um, the biggest challenge is chefs are chefs. We're everyone, every chef is stubborn in their own right as far as like the way that they set up a kitchen, the way that they train their cooks on cooking techniques, and all kinds of stuff like that. And when you walk into another chef's kitchen, you immediately have to reprogram your brain to say, okay, I can see what they were doing here. I can see what they were doing here. Let me retrain the cooks on the way that I think it should be done. And the different styles of food um, might be a little more like difficult for the cooks to understand. Sure. Because... You know, if you're going from a little more complicated dish to a simplified dish, um, you have to get out of the mentality of these cooks that, like, okay, you don't have to garnish it with four different things. You don't have to um, have five different squeeze bottles. Why not just have one squeeze bottle? Um, my philosophy in food is to just, just kind of simplify it and let the ingredients kind of speak for themselves. Okay. Um, I don't know if I yeah, got both points on that. I think, I think that covers yeah. both. Your strength, yeah. your strength if, I, if I'm hearing you correctly, is going in, being able to see what's there, being able to then take that information, train your new staff yep. for all intents and purposes um, to kind of relook at what you've got going on because it is changing. I mean, mise en place changes on the menu. It changes on the dish. Yep. It changes on the chef. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's a great cover. Um, let's discuss the main event. Okay, so we've talked about the steak. You've got what kind of steak do you, you did over the weekend? Um, is there anything else that we missed over the weekend? What have you got coming in today? Um, we did an octopus dish that uh, is going to go on the menu today, which is a cool little octopus dish. Oysters. I mean, people are just begging us to bring oysters on the menu. Uh, there's nowhere to get them down here, which is okay, cool. Well, now you know where to go to get your oyster and fix. What time does happy hour start so I can show up on time? Uh, I got to talk to Kim about that. <laughs> I'm not going to. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. We'll talk about that yeah. uh, as, as it comes up. Because we want to do, we, we might want to do a reverse happy hour too. Do two happy hours because, like I said, when I drove down here at 10 o'clock, 1030 the other night, it was packed. There was people all, all over the streets, so why not? be able to get um, oysters and a little slider 
and a great cocktail. Uh, Absolutely. It's such a beautiful bar like this. Why not? It's my favorite seat in the house. I love exactly it. Exactly where I'm love sitting. It. I can see everything in the restaurant from yeah. here. Um, so in addition to your own plans and ideas, um, what are you most excited about being downtown? You mentioned you've got some awesome neighbors. You've talked about Cerveza and Abel Baker. We know you've got Good Pie Next Door, Velveteen Rabbit, even the theater across the street. Yeah. Fantastic Repertory Theater. Um, you know, Esther's Kitchen and Garage East just around the corner. I know James said when I asked him uh, about you coming in that he was so yeah. excited to see what you're going to bring to the Arts District. Um, how do you feel about what everybody talks about, um, which is the support network that is the Arts District? Yeah. Are you fe- you're feeling that already? Oh, day one. So this is how my first 15 minutes happened uh, at Main Street Provisions. Vincent came over to say hello. I guess he saw me walking in. But he came over to say hello. We were talking about parking. And he's like, take my spot. It's down the street. I was like, no, dude, I'm not going to take your parking spot. He's like, ah, it's fine. I got another one. It's okay. Stuff like that is just amazing. Uh, You know, and I've known Vincent for a while, but just to have him walk in and give me his parking spot and a... in a neighborhood like this where parking can be kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of tough to find. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, stuff like that. And obviously, you know, James has been awesome for many, many years and a great guy. Um, So look forward to working with him and with us getting rid of the Fogarty oven, the smoking element that we have in the kitchen uh, Bruce across the street was like, "Hey man, if you ever want to come over and use my smokers and see how they work and all that." And, and uh, for our listeners, that's going to be Bruce Kalman's Soul yeah. Belly Barbecue. Yeah, yep. absolutely. From here, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that was like to me, even maybe if it's not on the menu, maybe I'll just go over there with a few pork shoulders and uh, learn how to do it properly i know how to do it on my smoker in my backyard but never on beautiful smokers like that those are pretty epic yeah I'm, massive. i might just get the sleeping bag out and just kind of hang out all night and just to say i did it that would be I like awesome that. turn it into an event yeah that'd be great <laughs> under the stars under the, the chef stars. pack Um, All right. So we've got a couple more minutes left. Um, I want to throw just a couple of things at you. I'm calling it the lightning round. Yeah. Um, Revisiting a previous conversation, because I want this on the record, is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) What is your go-to? That sounded really confident. It it, it did. But you were confident before, too. Yeah, I know. know. Okay. I'm staying with it. I like it. Um, Okay. What is your go-to off-shift just fuck it, I need to eat right now kind of meal. Do you make it yourself, or is there somewhere that you like to go? Um, I usually stand in my kitchen with the refrigerator doors open and pick at pickled items or some sort of meat, um, and my wife gets really frustrated because I never heat anything up. I just eat it cold. So my yeah, doesn't heat it. yeah, that's my go-to. <laughs> See that chefs? They're just like us. <laughs> uh, what was the first meal you ever cooked all by yourself, and how old were you? Ooh, wow. Um, huh. I remember one of the more memorable ones. I remember I was working in a great restaurant in St. Louis, um, and. I think, I don't know if I had started culinary school yet or not, but I was, like, enamored by, like, the whole culinary scene, and I was buying Martha Stewart cookbooks and anything I could do to, like, learn cool cooking techniques. I remember it was my grandmother's birthday, and um, we had a cool dinner at my mom and dad's house, and I was doing, like prosciutto wrapped asparagus and like yeah old school stuff like that to try and show off but yeah who knows if it turns out but i i think there's a picture floating around of me holding like a big platter of like cool food i thought i was trying to yeah 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 all right um so hey it is negroni week are you a negroni guy absolutely how do you like them that is my number one drink uh when i go out and my like I said, I'm very predictable when I sit down at dinner. <laughs> it's going to be Negroni 
switch to wine and uh, yeah. All right. One more. If you could work for any chef for 24 hours anywhere in the world, alive or dead, who is it and why? Huh. I'm surprised I haven't thought about this one before. Um, growing up watching PBS, East versus West, Ming Tsai, I thought was the coolest show. All right. And so I would have to say Ming Tsai. I think just his... Well, he's de- alive, so maybe, we, yeah, can, maybe yeah. we can have a conversation, get him out here. Yeah, his demeanor <laughs> and like his... like calm cool attitude in yep. the kitchen oh i was like i want to be that guy that was that guy yeah uh all right so I, we sort of touched on already but i have one last question what is the most important thought or feeling you want a guest to take away after eating a meal that you have cooked for them i think with this environment here at main street provisions where you can see the kitchen uh, you can see me floating around back there. You can see all the cooks floating around back there. I would say 90% of the time, they'll be smiling and we'll be joking and having a good time. Same thing with the servers. They're, they should be having a great time because, you know, this food is supposed to be fun. It's just a restaurant. You know, the doors are going to open. The people are going to come in. There's No matter what happens back there, the doors are still going to open, like, you know, and people are going to come in. So, okay, you got stressed out. You broke your salad dressing. Let's fix it. We have service in about, <clears throat> excuse me, in about 10 minutes. Let's fix it. No big deal. And then um, let's get back to work. And, like, we learn from that. So and you want the customers to feel that same I, vibe. The customers should feel like, you know, this is, like, an awesome place to have a meal and it's it's a fun time i like like i said i've been doing this 25 years and i do it almost every day why stress out you know why and why stress the cooks out why stress the servers out why stress anybody out it's like people are just coming in to eat food yeah and have drinks it should be a fun time i want to be in their seat you know, and but I'm not, so I get to go to the table and like make sure that they're having a blast. And I think working with Kim and seeing her touch every table with her big old smile, she is the queen of the table touch in yeah. the best way. Yeah, and it's so inspiring, um, you know, to get in those guest heads uh, and say, "Hey, I hope you guys are having a blast right now." And you know, we'll see you the next time you come in. I think that's great. Well, I had a blast today. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. No, thank you. Hopefully this is not the last time. It won't be. Um, Yeah, and uh, let's uh, talk soon. I will be in to eat soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, let's shoot for, you know, the first week of October for total menu change. And uh, then I'll be in my comfort zone. Kim won't have to get me out of the trees anymore. (laughs) And Al spent a little time this week with Chef Matt Meyer, the former proprietor of Henderson's Served, who is in the process of transforming it into 138, a new Henderson chop house. So, Chef, man, it's been a little while since I've seen you. I think you were cooking for me over at Served at the original location. A lot's gone on since then. I'm looking around this new space that you have going on. Um, Can you just bring people up to date on what's happened since last I saw you? There's been a lot that's happened. Uh, four, four or five years as served, um, lots of ups and downs, lots of learning, lots of, uh, new acquired focus on, um, what we want to be as far as a brand and a restaurant and our mission and what we want to do and the food that we want to bring and the purveyors that we want to use. And, um, it's been... It's been a very strenuous, <laughs> to say the least, uh, mission over over the last time since since you were last at the other spot, and um, glad to say goodbye, bringing the new. So served had you said five years here in Henderson, and pretty popular for you were doing really good breakfast business as well over there, right? Um, primarily brunch, brunch breakfast, lunch, you know. Yeah. That was that was our primary 
focus there. We tried dinner a few times, never really panned out, not consistent, just bad location, just bad everything. So we we had a change. So now you've reimagined it. It's a new brand, new location. Um, tell people where you are and what the new restaurant is. So we are 138, just like the great song from the Misfits. We are reopening at our formerly closed location at 1450 West Horizon Ridge Parkway, Suite C205, Henderson, Nevada, 89012. That's the full address. Um, and uh, we are bringing everything in a culmination of just focus and and just desire to bring you know good quality restaurants to the neighborhood and you know just be, really be that place for for the neighborhood but this is not a brunch spot i mean i'm looking around you're not even open yet and i see three cases of beef dry aging here you, this is going to be a steakhouse uh steakhouse craft chop house i like to lean more towards craft chop house because i feel that gives me more flexibility and more freedom from a customer's perspective into what i can actually do and you know when you think of steakhouse you just obviously think of steak but you know we want to do much more than that you know including fish poultry lamb in our dry aging program you know with that being said yes heavily focused on those dinner and creating those new items but also still providing that brunch that that we're known for but a lot more redefined and focused and fine-tuned and kind of you know bridging into what our new concept is and you know with our dinner to kind of tie it all in together so you know everything everything makes sense so you are opening your doors towards the end of this month, September. Do you have an opening date set yet? I believe it's the later week of the 25th. You know how it is. Lots of struggles, you know, getting open. But, yeah, definitely. So you're going to have dinner five, seven nights a week, and then brunch how frequently? So brunch on the weekends, and then Monday through Friday, opening at 11. Short, toned-down, focused menu for lunch during the week. And then bringing in some of those, you know, more upscale, more inventive and more intricate uh, Benedicts and some different items on the brunch menu for the weekends. So it's a little just a bit more focus. And how many Benedicts did you have on your menu at served? It was ridiculous. I think at one point I had upwards of 15, 15 different, you know, Benedicts and it was it was very cool because I was taking my, you know, I, well, I really wanted to do dinner, but it just wasn't the spot for me. It, nothing, I couldn't do nothing to make, make it work there. So I was incorporating my, you know, my desire to do dinner into my brunch. So I was creating these dishes, you know, and just making, you know, pretty much just making them Benedict's because, I mean, everything goes with hollandaise and eggs. I mean, it's a, it's a no-brainer. So let me see if I get this straight. So basically, you wanted to do dinner. You couldn't get a dinner crowd. You said, fuck it. I'm just going to take everything I wanted to do for dinner, put it on a Benedict at brunch. Was that the um, the vibe over there? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that says it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So um, you, you focused in. You, you are obviously able to do dinner as a separate thing here. But I want to talk about some of the things that are similar because, you know, Henderson, the area that you're in, it, it's not known as a great hotbed for restaurants, but we're starting to see a bit more life. We're starting to see the community on this side of town really embracing some, some quality restaurants. And I don't know if you could have done something as ambitious as what you seem to be trying to do right now four or five years ago. But I think the neighborhood maybe has changed a bit. Has, are you seeing it change? Are you seeing the market change over here? Uh, I am seeing it change. I'm seeing it, you know, lean more towards what, you know, the community, like what they kind of have going on in Summerlin and different areas. You know, like they have a lot of stuff over there. Here in Henderson, we don't have anything. So, yes, absolutely. In the last how many ever years you said, four or five years, there's been a lot of places opening. So it's going to help the broader Henderson market that's like they so they can know when they think hey I can stay in Henderson 
and I don't have to go, I don't have to venture to downtown. I don't have to venture to the strip or Summerlin, whatever. I have now great restaurants in my own neighborhood that I can go to, but it's going to take continual progress and all the work from the people in Henderson to keep pushing so customers know, so the people who live here know, like they have great stuff here in town. So it becomes embedded in their mind because like right now, I think it's a lot of training still. still people in Henderson are still so used to the fact of, you know, having to go somewhere else for a great food or great dinner. So yes, we absolutely hope to be a part of that change and, and help, you know, contributing to that change there's something to be said for a chef who likes the neighborhood and who sees that maybe it's not quite ready when you first start off for what you want to do but sticks with the neighborhood and really tries to help it grow as opposed to just packing up and going someplace where maybe the the neighbors are more receptive to what you're doing why are you so committed to staying in henderson what is it about this community that you seem to really like being a part of um i I live in henderson uh for one i live you know, a mile down the road from here. I've always lived in Henderson for 20 years. I've seen it grow from absolutely nothing, you know, to we're now starting to have, you know, somewhat of a scene here. My mom lives here, so she lives right across the street pretty much from the restaurant. So those those are my inspiration, my desire to stay in Henderson. If I go open if i said oh screw this i'm gonna go open in mountain's edge whatever other community you know i'm not gonna see the customers that i built the loyal people that have supported me my mom's never gonna come to my restaurant you know it's just too far you know people stay in their quadrant here you know so we want to still make it that place for the people who've worked very hard for you know to make it a place where they feel like home to come and you know hopefully come you know, on a regular basis. So tell me a bit about what the offerings are going to be, what the menu is going to look like. And then also leading into that, what's the price point going to be? Because when you're in the burbs, people get very touchy sometimes, you know, you have to give them a bargain, right? And sometimes I think locals can shoot themselves in the foot that way, you know, because they want you to cut prices because it's in the burbs, but then they're not happy with the quality. So how do you walk that line with, with your menu? So I know that's a lot of questions, but what's the menu going to be like? What's the experience going to be like? And then how are you going to price it? Um, well, uh, first I can start with the menu. Um, so, the menu we're redesigning so it can fit that, you know, the price point. We obviously are, I mean, we're dry-age craft chop house. So, I mean, obviously we're going to have a high spectrum and a lower spectrum, you know, but it's not de- going to, even the low spectrum, it's not going to be Denny's prices, but it's still going to be good for that local, you know, local focused community restaurant. You know, you can still come in. And great, great meal, great experience, you know, for that price point that you're looking for. But it's still not going to be, it's still not going to be there, you know. And we are trying to obviously focus, or our focus has been in our sourcing and setting up personal relationships with the people who raise what we serve, whether it be the animals, um, mostly animals is what I've done so far is, you know, visiting ranches and meeting the farmers and the ranchers and stuff like that. Um, but you know, you're going to see obviously, you know, our brunch menu on the, on the weekend, which is still going to have, you know, kind of similar stuff, craft, craft, craft cocktails, you know, after different inspired after different Henderson communities, um, you know, but a lot of more kind of intricate, Dinner entrees, you know, nicely sourced lamb, crusted lamb chop or crusted lamb loin with rapini and a nice, you know, lamb jus and dry-aged corvus duck with mole sauce and, you know, tartars and, um, you know, shrimp and grits with ants and mill grits. You know, they're, they're, they're good. They're doing great things over there with what they're doing. Um, 
So. so when I hear you talk about just some of these menu items, though, you know, when you think chop house, you almost always think kind of classic American cuisine. But then I hear you say steak tartare. Then I hear you say a mole sauce, you know, Mexican cuisine. Then I hear you say shrimp and grits with a little bit of southern. So it sounds like you're going to be drawing on a lot of different cultures. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, still at the end of the day, it's still me cooking, you know, and, and I'm at the end of the day going to cook exactly what I like or what I would want to eat. And those are the cuisines and the types of food that I like and that inspire me. So, yeah, you're still going to see Korean influence or Mexican influence. You know, one of our sides, we have a, like a mole kugel, which is like would be a savory side dish for a steak. It may sound weird and not like it works, but like when you get the flavors of like the cinnamon and all the different flavors of what would be in a mole, you know, with a, with a wood fire dry aged steak it just it matches really well you know instead of doing your typical mac and cheese you know everybody's everybody's got a mac and cheese okay so that's like our version so we kind of want to have yeah some of the staples that traditionally a chop house or a steakhouse would have but we still want to we still want to put our you know stamp on it and make it make it a bit different and you know have our focuses and you know do our seafood and our our different uh, cuisines from different cultures and stuff like that. So let's talk a bit about the vibe. I'm, I'm looking at the place. It's not 100 percent done as I look around it, but it it looks upscale. You've got a beautiful fire pit here in the middle of the dining room that I'm looking at. Um, is this? Uh, I see a piano over there. So maybe you're going to have live music. I'm going to guess. Um, so is this sort of an upscale date night kind of place, or just a casual come in after work for a drink at the bar? Are you trying to straddle both of those markets? Uh, both. Both and all three, and the other one, which you didn't mention. What's that other one? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's always shit I forget, so please. So I don't know. <laughs> cool. So one more time, tell people the name, where you're located, and when you're opening up. So we are 138 in Henderson, 1450 West Horizon Ridge Parkway, Suite C205, Henderson, Nevada, 89012. And, and might as well do the social handles. Uh, I'd have to refer to someone for that. <laughs> the news is next. This is Food and Loathing. Here you are in Vegas. You're hungry and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. It is time for the news, and I have to start with what I think is the biggest restaurant opening news of this year. Yeah, I'm going out on a limb. I don't give a shit if there are a few months left. This is my favorite restaurant. I'm opening. I'm just, I can't even I've talk. I'm just so again. excited. I know. I'm, I'm waiting. so excited. Please. It is finally official. The rumors are true. My prayers to Bacchus, the Roman god of wine and pleasure, have been <laughs> answered. Vetri Cucina by Mark Vetri will be returning to the top of the Palms, the 75-seat venue with one of the best views in the city and Italian cuisine that is honestly unlike anything most people have ever experienced, reopens November 1st. So we're making reservations for night one, right? Oh, I think <laughs> nights one through three, I'm just going to go back It's going to take that long to get through the menu. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if people are not familiar with what Mark Vetri does, you may know him from Osteria Fiorella over at Red Rock. Red Rock yep. it's, that's you, know, you see hints of his genius over there. Um, and I should say, you see his genius on all the dishes. But, you know, Mark is one of the biggest chefs in Philadelphia. Absolutely. For a while, he ran a huge culinary empire in Philadelphia. He still runs one of the best restaurants in Philadelphia. Um, but he's a fine dining chef. And he does he elevated Italian. He does that better than anybody that I've ever had. And Luciano Pellegrini also does um, some great elevated Italian Absolutely. back when he was at Valentino. But um, what Vetri does is just, it's elevated, but it's rustic. You see dishes on the menu. You won't know what the fuck they are. Trust the staff. They will walk you through it. They all know what they're talking about. You will have things like you've never had before. This is a foodies Italian restaurant. Absolutely. And there aren't a lot of foodie Italian restaurants. Really. Not really, no. I mean, I love all of our Italian chefs here in town. I love that everything is super approachable. It's made for the community to come in and really enjoy it. And, and I think that that's sort of where you might have been going. Tell me if I'm wrong 
with Austria over in Red Rock. Yeah. Um, it is Mark Vetri, but it's also a little bit more approachable. Let's face it. We are a town with a lot of people coming through. They're not always able to sit down and appreciate something that Vetri does. And the nuances that he can do, the, the really creative twists on a pasta or a sauce or even the presentation, you have no idea what you're eating until you pop it in your mouth and then you're not mad. You, you, you're going to enjoy it no matter what you're into. Yeah. And the room is beautiful. It's up there at the top of the palms. It's facing the strip, right? So it's oh, at that end of that tower. There is no view like that it, anywhere else. No, there really isn't. There's nobody where you just have that sweeping panoramic mm. view of the strip. It's absolutely gorgeous. Just make your reservations. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and invite us because I want to go. Invite us. We'll eat with you. <laughs> Um, so the Nightmare on Spring Mountain pop-up will return at the original Sound Dollar, uh, just like the name says. That will be on Spring Mountain Road location. It will run from October 1st through November 1st. They're going all out this year, spending over $10,000 on decorations for the bar and creating eight spooky specialty cocktails. There will be costume nights every Sunday and Wednesday, starting October 12th, with themes like Walking Dead and Zombies, slutty anything oh yeah slutty I mean, anything baby that's halloween in vegas i mean slutty, i know right it's like all my friends used to just dress slutty all the time that's right? halloween's amateur night absolutely for that. uh evil clown and circus and disney and the 70s disco funk prom and if that disney night sounded a little out of place trust us that one's a fundraiser for make a wish and that will be held on sunday october 23rd Speaking of cocktails and charity, it is Negroni Week here in Las Vegas, and I think around the country. Um, I admit I'm not always uh, sure if everybody does it at the same time or if it sort of rotates. <laughs> I don't I know like if it's a think... religious holiday or a, a state holiday. <laughs> For me, it is, it is a religious week. holiday. I am a Negroni fan. Um, a non-exhaustive list of places serving up these bittersweet and delicious spirits includes Anima by EDO at the Gramercy, El Salido Posto in Tivoli Village, Dolce and Chianti Cucina and cocktails near Flamingo and Durango. Gaetano's all the way down in Henderson. I say all the way down because way down, I live in Summerlin live and I don't drive that far. I admit it. Um, and Gaetano's even where we're great, sitting, man, Gaetano's know. is amazing. And yeah, cool guy Nick over there. Uh, Nick Palmieri is fantastic, runs a, runs a great program over there. So please, please go down there. It's just a long drive for me if I want to go and have cocktails <laughs> and then drive home. Uh, but also where we're sitting, Sparrow and Wolf are offering a flight of three different Negronis. So you can sort of compare and contrast different styles. So do that. Uh, most places are serving through the weekend and a portion of your purchase goes to various charitable organizations chosen by each restaurant and bar. Okay, Negronis. Uh, everybody go do some Negronis. I, I, I'm thinking it's time for uh, for a trio of Negronis. Maybe <laughs> Maybe I can talk my way into one. <laughs> uh -oh. um, as we get through this news, a quick reminder, Life is Beautiful is this weekend, and there will be a lot of great culinary offerings. We've got a great pizza event that's going to be going on there. Um, that Vinny Rotolo is running. Yes. Lots of great pizza makers. Um, be sure to look for that if you're going to Life is Beautiful. Definitely make sure you look for Justin Kingsley. Paul's, you know, the campfires, cookout, cookout series. Um, yep. Lots of great chefs participating. There's, There's just going to be a lot of There's also the Omakase food. Cantina being yeah. held, put on by Jolene Menina. And I think that's going to be inside the Vegas Test Kitchen because that's been closed this week, getting ready for the festival. And rather than, I suppose, us trying to go through all of this, we could just send people to go back and listen to episode 64. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much information on there. On all the food there. And also, um, I believe, I've been doing texts all the all day this morning trying to figure out if I'm going to be over there um, contributing a little bit to some culinary conversations. I think I am. I think I may be interviewing either some chefs or some bartenders, uh, maybe during the cocktail classes in the bunkhouse. So if you're in the area, please drop by and look for me. Check my social media feed. I'll let you know where I am. Hopefully people can come and see me. That would be great. Are I you going to change your hair for the event? I don't think I got time. It's, it's <laughs> right here. And no, okay. this is my hair. This is all you get. This is why I'm not cool enough. Am I not cool ah, enough? Ah, no. For I was just wondering if you were going to go full Life is Beautiful and go for the sparkly <laughs> things and, you know, I, fur. I'm in costume all the time. <laughs> It's like slutty anything. It's like slutty stupid anything. anything. I'm stupid any day. You know, I don't have to get all dialed up, gussied up for any special Well, you shit, are man. colorful, both in personality and in appearance. So it would be hard to miss. Uh, I also want to remind people that the Raiders play their first home game this Sunday. If you are going to the game, there are a lot of great local restaurants selling food in the stadium. In fact, we did a quick roundup on Neon Feast of the restaurants that we really love that have outlets in the stadium. They are Barbecue Mexicana from the Border Grill Ladies, Evil Pie, Ferraro's, Fuku Burger, Holstein's, Pizza Rock by Tony Gemignani, 
Roll and Smoke Barbecue, and Slice House by Tony Gemignani. Slightly different offerings there. Of course, they're all offering something somewhat condensed menus if you're used to their normal ones. So if you want to know what each of them is offering and where they're located in the stadium, you just download that Neon Feast app and we'll get you covered, people. That sounds amazing. I'm so excited that the Raiders are back in town. Uh, they've been my team since before I was born. I joke that my diapers were silver and black. <laughs> Uh, so the fact that we have my team and a stadium full of amazing food is really kind of awesome when I get to go to the games. So, cool. yeah. So uh, there's also a new bar opening at Resorts World this week. Jalisco Underground is located underneath Wally's. That seems appropriate. And it's named after the birthplace of tequila. So you can probably guess what kind of spirits they'll be featuring. And I will be attending that um, grand opening event. So we'll have details on that next Absolutely. week. Absolutely. Let's see if Sue wants to come with me. If not, maybe you can tag along. I'm in. Or I'll tag along with you. you know, <laughs> I'm a better plus one than I are the main person. Um, <laughs> I'm not even saying sentences right today. I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. Maybe you had my espresso from last week. <laughs> I are the wrong person. I don't know what the fuck that even meant. Uh, and Jonathan Wright over at the RJ is reporting that the Las Vegas Food and Wine Festival will return to Tivoli Village, actually to a lot of places, October 5th through the 9th. Um, the Grand Tasting will be at Tivoli Village. Smaller tastings are also set for the Cosmo, Virgin Las Vegas, and Italy in Park MGM. So, Well, that cool. sounds delicious, and Tivoli is close to We don't live far from Tivoli, so. No, I've been to those events in yeah. previous years, and they've always been pretty cool. I'll have to go check so, it out. Good for them. Um what the hell? I'm looking at the wrong page somehow. Where did we go? What, what, oh. Yeah, I think we kind of added some stuff. That's all right. Yeah, um, I believe that's all we have time for this week. So thanks to everyone who made this show happen. Um, all of our guests, Matt Meyer, Patrick Munster. Thank you, Gemini, for coming and bearing with me on a day when I don't know what I'm doing. And look at this. They're actually <laughs> oh bringing the Oh, my gosh. What are, we, what are we bringing to the table? He's all lighting right. things on so fire. So we have Sparrow and Wolf bartender David standing in front of us with... Looks like three very different colored. What what are these, sir? Are these the Negronis? White Negroni, classic preparation, ounce, ounce, ounce. Modern Negroni, modern preparation, one and a half, three quarter, three quarter. And a black Negroni with chinar in lieu of vermouth. Oh you are a man after my own heart. Well, we That's how I do this up, at home. Man. Yes. We've got to wrap up the show so we can try all these. Right. They look well, pretty. We will take pictures. We probably. will take pictures and share these with all of you. Um, hey, if you've enjoyed listening to us, please tell a friend about Food and Loathing and spread the word on social media. Just search for Food and Loathing. If you have questions or a comment, reach us directly by email by sending that to info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you're interested in what I'm getting up to, want to get to know me a little better, read more of my writing, or want a glimpse at my whiskey collection, or just want to chat about food, restaurants, and Las Vegas, you can find me on the socials at Wishbone and Vine. And also a quick reminder, you're going to be at the next um, Please Send Noodles, right? I am, yes. So we talked about it on last week's episode. A good reminder that Monday the 26th, Please Send Noodles with three exclamation points. If you're searching for us on Facebook, we'll be doing a dinner and demo regarding a ramen book that we've been reading for the summer. We will have Chef Lanny Chin showing us uh, a noodle demo, and everybody is invited. Just find us on Facebook and uh, introduce yourself, and we'll get you all the information you need. And as I smell that burnt sugar I from know. the torch, I'm just going <laughs> to, if you haven't done it yet, download the Neon Feast app. Use it to find your next dining destination. You know, whatever you want, whatever you need. You're going to find that on Neon Feast, and a lot of these places will even let you make your reservation straight from the app, so do that. If you can't get enough of my voice, you can hear me on a lot of radio stations. You can see me on the CW Las Vegas every other Wednesday. You get to see what stupid color my hairs are this week. <laughs> um, I'm going to go run through the rest of these. You can also hear my Neon Feast updates on the Vibe 99.7 here in Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, 98.9 at the river. Um, those run all weekend, all week long, six times a day. So check them out. And you see them on my Facebook page as well. And Thursday mornings around 8, 10 a.m. every week. I am on the club at a.m. 670 KMZQ. That's about it. We're going to look at some of these beverages with Samantha Gemini Stevens and producer Rich Johnson. I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry, people. Yeah.